And so I'd like to welcome those who are also worshipping with us on LiveGate Outreach TV and through uh, our audio channels on iTunes and Buzzsprout. It is a privilege for us to be able to reach you through this medium and we want to welcome you whenever you are watching this. The Lord bless you. In Jesus' name. We started our series on enjoying holiness by divine help. It is an eight-week series. We have just gone in, we are just on week three at the moment. And when we started that series, what we started to look at is how to look at God, the person of God in the different names that he has revealed himself to us. I did say to you in the very first session that God's names are so many, so many that we cannot, um, virtually every statement of God reveals a name of God, everything he says about himself. But for the sake of us understanding better, we select some names from time to time that we review and understand. And uh, we started looking at God as our Abba Father two weeks ago. And last week we looked at God who is our Ancient of Days. And today we will, look, we will start to look at some of the L names of God. Of course, L means God. And every suffix to that means God who is something. So when we have El Shaddai, we talk about God who is almighty. When we have El, like today, we have El Olam. It talks about the everlasting God. So the word Olam itself, we will look at in more details as we go on in the, in the topic today. But it's just for us to appreciate God. So how does the names of God link us to the holiness of God? Because we read from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, which is our anchor scripture for this season. Let's read it again. We'll be reading it throughout this period just to remind us what uh, the Bible says. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Let's read together. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind... Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. Verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Let's read that again. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Verse 16 now. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Let's read verse 16 again. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. So it is commanded that we be holy. But I placed emphasis on verse 15 and 16 because the Bible says, he who called us, can I have verse 15 please? Because he who called us is holy. Because he who called us is holy. He said, so you also be holy as I am holy in all your conduct. So it is a commandment. Somebody say with me, it is a commandment. So holiness is not negotiable. For a believer who truly is called, many of us say all things work together for good, but we stop at that. But what did he say? Romans 8, 28, he said, for all things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. So we must be a people who accept our calling and love God and then things work together for good. But he said, if we are called, the one who called us is holy, so we also must be holy in all our conduct. Now, this has been an accepted truth worldwide, globally, in the body of Christ. The problem we have is that we are not realizing that, in verse 16, a provision is made for us. Verse 16, a provision is made for us that because it is written, you should be holy for I am holy. And I've said to you, every time you see the word be in scripture, right from the same way you saw it in uh, Genesis chapter 1, when God said, let there be light, it means that what it takes for that thing to happen is also released with the word. 
Never forget that. So if God said, let there be light, and there was light. If God said, let there be the firmament in the heavens, and the firmament in the heavens appeared, and so on and so forth. The Bible says, he said, be holy, for I am holy. It means that what he has said has the capacity to make you and I holy. So what we need to do is to keep understanding his holiness. The more we understand his holiness, and as part of our calling, the more we are able to relate to it and also draw strength. So we become holy because he is holy. Hallelujah. So one of God's names through which he expresses his holiness, of course, is El Olam. You see, this name primarily represents God's nature. This is God that is without beginning and without end. These are attributes of God that we need to sit down and let the Holy Spirit teach us. Our minds, like I said last Sunday, our minds are so finite that to, to comprehend what happens before time began is almost impossible for our mind. In fact, it is impossible for our minds because our mind is finite and it can only reason within time and space. So to imagine what goes on beyond what had happened before time began, because we know time began uh, according to the Bible in Genesis chapter 1. The Bible says, and in the beginning God created the heavens. So time began when God created the heavens and the earth, and then and so on and so forth. But before that time, God was. Before heavens and earth were formed, God was. And God will still be after heavens and earth are destroyed. The Bible says that the earth will be destroyed with fire. And then a new heaven will appear altogether. Hallelujah. And that is where you and I will be going. But what God has said to us is that he is El Olam. He is the God that was without beginning, that is without beginning and without end. He is the one who will never ever cease to be, regardless of what happens. He is outside of time. Even though he created time, he is not subject to time. He by himself allowed his son to come and live for 33 and a half years here physically just to demonstrate that he can step into time and step out of time. Jesus came and the Bible says after he came, he ascended into the skies. And the angel said, this same Jesus you see going into the heavens, the same way you see him go, you will see him come again. Hallelujah. So he can step into time and out of time as he wishes. But we must understand that that does not limit him. And so we must know how to appreciate him as the God who is everlasting. So the name El Olam is a compound word. El there means God and the Olam expresses God in three distinct ways. And I want us to understand that this morning because when we understand this, it helps us in our work of holiness. Amen. The first thing, obviously, he is, write it down, he is God everlasting. He is God everlasting. So, El Olam means he is God everlasting. The Olam there representing his everlasting nature. You see, what does this have to do with holiness? What does this have to do with us appreciating him for who he is? The everlasting nature or the everlasting personality of God is what gives us the anchor to which we can remain steadfast throughout our own journey of faith. Abraham understood this very well. And amongst other names that Abraham, Abraham was a very privileged man. God revealed himself to Abraham in many ways. He told him that I am Jehovah Jireh. He told him that I am El Shaddai in Genesis chapter 17. In Jehovah Jireh, Genesis 22. And he told him so many things. And one of the revelations he had about him is that he is the everlasting God in Genesis chapter um, um, that he is the everlasting God in Genesis chapter 21, which we are going to read now. Genesis chapter 21, let's read it from verse 32 to verse 33. Genesis 21, 32, and 33. This is how Abraham understood the everlasting God. When Abraham met uh, Abimelech, the Bible says that a time came, they were supposed to part. If you read the whole chapter, you will understand the story better. And uh, Abimelech was the man that was going to take Abraham's wife and God warned him and so on. And Abraham, uh, he said, why did you tell me it was your sister and so on and so forth. But a time came, they became friends and they were going to part. And Abimelech said to Abraham, now that you are going, I want you to promise me that you are going to continue to deal fairly with me. And Abraham made a covenant at Beersheba. Let's read verse 32 together. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. 
So at verse 32. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. So Abimelech rose with Fico, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. Verse 33. Then Abraham, verse 33, Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and there called on the name of the Lord, what? The everlasting God. We are told that this tamarisk tree is an evergreen tree. To remind him and to remind everyone there that this is a tree, that this tree that never dies is a symbol of the God who remains everlasting. The Bible says Abraham made a covenant there at Beersheba. You see, this means that the same way Abraham depended on the everlasting God to watch over that covenant that he made with this, fellow, this king of Gerah called Abimelech, he is saying that the same way we must also realize that the everlasting God is the God who had made us and who had committed, when he said be holy, he has committed himself to our holiness everlasting. He has committed himself to our holiness perpetually. He has committed himself to our success and everything that we need to become because he is the everlasting God. He is the evergreen God. Hallelujah. So this means that we must continue to depend on him to keep us holy through time. We must never look at our disposition at any point in time and our challenges at any point in time to forget that the everlasting God is with us. When Jesus came, he spoke those words. He said, you go into the world. When he was living in Matthew 28 and was giving them those commands, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And you, baptizing them in the name of God, the Father, the Son. And, and uh, he said, you should also behold, I will be with you always. I will be with you always. So as we are going, doing the things that God has called us to do, his expectation of us is that at every point in time, we remind ourselves that the everlasting God is faithful to his word and he will not let us down. I say he will not let you down in the name of Jesus. So anytime we fall for a temptation or we fall for anything that is trying to pollute our holiness is because we are suffering a momentary loss of memory of what he has said. And we must continue to make warfare to remind ourselves at every time. The Bible says in Psalm 136, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercies endures what? Forever. We must remember that his mercy to strengthen us, his mercy to see us through those physical challenges, those spiritual challenges are ever there. Many times we compromise simply because we forget this. Hallelujah. May the Lord continue to remind us that he is everlasting. In the mighty name of Jesus. Look at what he said in Isaiah chapter 40 from verse 28. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 28. Bible says, have you not known? Let's read together. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Hallelujah. Let's read verse 29 now together. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Hallelujah. He said, have you not heard? Have you not known? Have you not seen that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Remind yourself every time. He is not a man that he should lie. He is ever true to his word. The Bible says he neither faints nor is weary. Now man can grow weary. The Bible says that you should not be weary in well doing. Because you will reap if you faint not. That's Galatians 6, isn't it? Verse 9. He said don't grow weary because you have a potential to be weary. I tell you man can be weary. Especially when you are doing good and everything you are getting back in return is just negative. You are putting your best in the work you are doing or in a business relationship or in a church or in a setting in, 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 a, in, a, in an institution, wherever it is. You are putting your best. You are putting your energy. You are putting your resources. You are putting your money. And it seems as if everything you are getting is just contrary to the efforts you are putting in. The, there is a tendency to faint. There is a tendency to be weary. And so that is why Paul said, do not grow weary in well-doing. 
because you as a person are meant to reap. But if you grow weary you, and, and you faint, you will not reap. He says, so do not grow weary. But the Bible makes us to understand that the creator of the ends of the earth neither faints or is weary. I think we as believers must always revel in this truth of the everlasting God. Hallelujah. The Bible says his understanding is unsearchable. And this is so important. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he does what? He increases strength. All through the Old Testament, the New Testament, we see how God gave power many times. There was a time a prophet called Elijah was very tired in 1 Kings chapter 19. After he had dealt with the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings 18. And a woman called Jezebel threatened his life. And he ran away and hid himself somewhere under a tree called the juniper tree. And then God came there and he strengthened him. And the Bible says God gave him food through the angel, through the raven. And uh, also God came and he said to him, and he said, you eat this food. And you need to eat this food because you need strength. For the journey that is ahead is far. This is why when we come together, we eat spiritual food. The word of God is what empowers us. The Bible says the faith that we have comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So don't come to church without an expectation. Come to church expecting. In Acts chapter 3, the Bible says that man was sat at the gate beautiful, always collecting arms, something that will give him temporary solution to his problem. That was all he could see. He never thought of something that would liberate him permanently. So he was used to it. And a lot of believers are used to that. A lot of believers are happy to go about doing what they are doing in their life. Getting the things here and there. Walking. Getting the things. And then still living in the overall picture of some kind of frustration. But what we must understand is that when we can contact the true word. Like Peter said to that man at Gate Beautiful. That I do not have silver and gold to give you. Not because he was a poor man. But because he knew that it's not a case of silver and gold that the man needed. He said I have something. It is called the name of Jesus. This name when you contact it. You will no longer be a beggar. You will become a giver. I say he said to him he will become a giver. In the name of Jesus. And so he said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the Bible says immediately his ankle bones receive strength. His ankle bones receive strength. He gives power to the weak. Whether you are weak spiritually, whether you are weak physically, whether you are weak financially, whether you are weak emotionally, the Bible says this everlasting God gives power to the weak. You must never go through a week without contacting that power. You must never go through a day without contacting that power. Because the power in you needs to be replenished from time to time. Jesus, when he was living, he said, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you so that you can be witnesses. Before that, he told them, go and be witnesses. But he knew that they cannot become witnesses in effect until they receive that power. This power must come upon you. Hallelujah. And the everlasting God who has given it in time past is still giving it today. I say he's still giving it today. And he will give it to you today. In the name of Jesus. Don't think that your case is unique. Or your case has gone beyond redemption. The Bible says he knows that there are some who have no might. He said he knows. He knows that there are some who have no might. And he will increase their strength. He knows that you are struggling in areas. Don't think he doesn't know. I may not know. Even your spouse may not know. Many of us, especially men, we can mask things. We stand strong and stand tall many times. But we are crying on the inside. Because we don't want those women to be, to be affected by our pain. But brothers, I want you to know God knows. He knows. And the Bible says he will give you might. He will give you power. I say he will give you power. He will give you might. And he will increase your strength. In the name of Jesus. This applies in every area of your life. God everlasting is the same God. He said have you not known? Have you not heard? He said even young people. Verse 30. He said even the youths shall faint. And be weary. And the young men shall do what? Utterly fall. He said even the young men shall utterly fall. 
I want young people who are listening to me and hearing this on the video or on the audio that whatever the situation is it, it, it is today that you are facing with peer pressure and there's so many things that are challenging your faith and harassing your foundation, trying to make it difficult for you to stand as a person of integrity and as a person of faith. The Bible says even when he can see that the youth can faint and they are weary and the young men are utterly falling. The Bible says you must continue to stand. He said those that wait upon the Lord, verse 31 says, even those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's Isaiah 40 verse 31. All you need to do is to wait upon the Lord. All you need to do is to seek the face of God. All you need to do is to continue to go back to the everlasting God and say, Lord, I need strength. I do not want to be weary. I do not want to fall. I need strength. Or even when you have fallen, even when you feel weary already, you need to go to him. Find the words. Find the songs. Find the things that inspire you and go back to God. The Bible says those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I decree that your strength to keep running the race shall be renewed today. I say your strength shall be renewed today. In the name of Jesus. This is the secret of spirituality. This is the, spirit, the secret of longevity in spirituality. Many people say, how do you stand a Christian for five years? How do you remain a Christian for 10 years, 20 years? How do you remain a Christian in this day and age with so much pressure? And so, much, so many things that will keep attempting to make you compromise. And at times you actually compromise. And you get back from it. And you get going from it. How do you keep doing it? Because the Bible says as long as you keep waiting on the Lord, your strength will be renewed. Yes. Hallelujah. I want you to know that God knows your frailty. He knows your frame. He knows everything about you more than you even know about yourself. All you need to do is appear in his presence. When you appear in his presence, he gives you the very things you need. Many times the Bible says that we ask for things that we do not need. But when he looks at us, he knows the things that we need. So at times we leave his presence, we may not understand what he has done. Because all he needs, all we need to do is to appear in his presence. And everything that we need, we continually be supplied. I say we continually be supplied to you. In the name of Jesus. This is what made Abraham a different man. We call him the father of faith. And we can talk about him from now. His faith that was unshaken and all that. But this is what, one of the things that he knew about God that made him solid. It made, him, it, made him, it made it impossible for him to feel threatened in any way. This was why he was a, a conqueror, even in warfare. He was a blessed man, even financially. He was not the most upright man when you look at his spirituality. Because, of course, when he spoke about Sarah being his sister, it was a lie, a blatant lie. But you see, thank God, because God knows your frailty. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your weak points. But as long as you keep submitting yourself to him, what he is trying to do is to remove those weaknesses and supply you with his strength. I say he will keep supplying you with his strength. In the name of Jesus. Many times we don't get help because we refuse to acknowledge the things that we need to acknowledge. The Bible says concerning Abraham in Romans chapter 4. He says, and verse 19. He says, and not being weak in faith, that's Romans chapter 4 verse 19. Let's read together. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20. He did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief, but was what? Strengthened in faith. Somebody say strengthened. strengthened. He was strengthened. Say he was strengthened. Look at that. He was strengthened in faith. And what was he doing? Giving glory to God. May you be strengthened in faith today. In the name of Jesus. And then, when he was strengthened, verse 21, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Many of us are not reaching the point of conviction about the promises of God because our faith is too weak. The Bible says, and Abraham, when he was strengthened in faith, became convinced that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. This is what distinguishes 
the believers that have results and the believers that don't have results. Your conviction of God, the everlasting God, will continue to cause you to enjoy the promises of God. Your conviction of who he is and what he has said will continue to cause you to enjoy the promises of God. And I decree that your faith will be strengthened to the point of conviction in the name of Jesus. And then verse 22, we're talking about holiness. Let's read verse 22 together concerning Abraham. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Faith in God, belief in God, accepting him for who he is, believing in his word, claiming his promises by conviction is also regarded as a measure of your righteousness. And I know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus I know that God has already settled the matter concerning us. That everything concerning us about our righteousness is guaranteed and assured. But the Bible says concerning our father Abraham, because he was convinced that what God was able to perform, that he's able to do, it was accounted unto him for righteousness. This was a man who became righteous even before Jesus manifested. He became righteous because he believed God and believed the promises of God. And so you and I must understand that it is a non-negotiable for us to believe the everlasting God that he is able to keep us. He is able to do, if he says, be holy as I am holy, he is able to make us holy. All we need to do is to learn how to wait upon him as we seek his face in prayer, as we seek his face. When we come together in fellowship, we hear the word of God, we apply the word of God, and we believe his promises. And the Lord will continue to establish us all in Jesus' name. The Bible says in verse 23, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. That it was imputed to him for righteousness was not written for his sake alone. But what was it written for? Let's read read verse 24 together. But also for us it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus as our Lord from the dead. It shall be imputed. The word imputed means infused into us. You know about imputes. When there is an impute, when there is an, something imputed into you, what that means is that it is put into you. It is put into you from a higher source, from something that is bigger than you. It is attributed to you. It's like a title. We just heard that our new couple in the royal family have been made the, the duke and duchess of what? Sussex. Imputed into them. Did nothing for it other than just being born into that family and getting married. That's all. Just get born, get married, you become a duke and a duchess. Simple. So you just need to understand these simple basic principles. Believe the Lord Jesus, and then it is imputed into you also for righteousness. So your holiness is vibrant. The more of God you can tap into and the promises of God that you can believe. And I decree that God will continue to help us to believe these things in the name of Jesus. So when we partake of things like the communion today, think about it. Jesus spoke words when he put his body down And he said, this is my body, drink it in remembrance of me. This is my blood, drink ye all of it. And as often as you do it, you do it in remembrance of me. What you are doing is you are doing it to revitalize your spirituality. Don't just drink it and just eat it and say, this is not tasting well today. (laughs) What is it like today? No, no, no. Take it It's a spiritual food. It's the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. When you take it, It imputes into you righteousness, strength to keep going. Hallelujah. The Bible says, because Jesus was delivered up for us because of our offenses, but was raised because of our justification. Our sins nailed him to the cross, but his resurrection gave us our justification. Hallelujah. May we continue to live in the spirit of our justification. In the mighty name of Jesus. The Bible says them whom he called. Them whom he foreknew. He also called. And them whom he called. 
he also justified. And them whom he justified, he also glorified. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 and verse 30. The Lord will cause every one of us to walk in our justification unto glory. In the name of Jesus. So the first name of El Olam, the first meaning is that he is everlasting God. The second one is that he is the God of the ages. He is the God of the ages. Olam as everlasting, Olam as God of the ages. This is also very important. Even though they mean the same thing. But the focus of El Olam as the God of the ages helps us to remember that he is the God who was and is and is to come. He is the God who remains God through time. He is the God, even though he changes times and seasons, he remains God in all dispensations. It is our duty to put our trust in him in our particular dispensation and make him our dwelling place always. You see, Moses was a man who knew the ways of God. That's why we read Psalm 90 earlier. We read the whole, for those of you listening to the audio, we read Psalm 90 from verse 1 to 17, the entire chapter written by Moses. But we're just going to read the first four verses again to remind us of a revelation of Moses concerning this God. Psalm 90, verse 1. Let's read together. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are what? You are God. Hallelujah. Verse 3. He said, you turn man to destruction and say, return, O children of men. Let's shout verse 4 together. For a thousand years in your sight, are like yesterday when it is past and like a watch in the night. Hallelujah. God that was God in the life of Adam remains God today. I say he remains God today. God that was God in the life of Abraham remains God today. God that was God in the life of Moses remains God today. God that reigned throughout the judges, Gideon, Balak, and all the judges that were in their time, he remains God today. God that was God throughout all the kings remains God today. I say he remains God today. God that was God throughout all the prophets remains God today. God that was God even during the time of Jesus Christ as the son of man 2,000 years ago, he remains God today. And God that was God in the days of the apostles of old, like Peter, James, John, Andrew, and all of them, he remains God today in the name of Jesus. The God of the ages. Why do we need to remind ourselves that he remains God today? Because everything he did to make those saints of old stand and stand as a testimony through their time, he is still willing to do in our times. Hallelujah. You see, God does not change in principles. He only changes precepts. God changes the way he does things, but he has never changed principle. The very first time he slew an animal to cover Adam's nakedness and Eve's nakedness in the garden, it was all about the shedding of blood. But the principle is what he transformed right through to the New Testament and then gave us the final blood that was to be shed once and never again. Everything that happened, the blood that was shed covered with the skin and then the blood of the rams and the goats and everything that was used to worship God in the days of the tabernacle and in the days of the temple, everything represented was pointing to the ultimate precept, the ultimate way. So we can see God do things in different ways through the scripture, but he remains God. And so when we read what God did in the Old Testament and in the different dispensations, it should encourage our faith even today. This is why the Bible makes us to understand that it is what we hear that gives us that faith. I pray that God will keep us focused and understand him continually as the God of the ages. In the name of Jesus. So we must seek his presence to help us in our spiritual journey. I said Moses understood this very well. That's why he wrote that psalm. 
an encounter between God and Moses in Exodus chapter 33 showed that Moses now knew right from the time God called him in, in, in Exodus chapter 4. When God called Moses, he knew that the difference between Exodus chapter 4 and Exodus chapter 12, when they eventually were emancipated and they started the Exodus, he knew that the difference with him as a person was that God was there. When he went back to Pharaoh and he said, Thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. He knew that what was making Pharaoh respond to him was not because he had words to say. Not because he was anything. Even 40 years before that time, he was a fugitive from the same country. But he knew that the presence of God was key. And why am I saying this? Never ever compromise your search and your quest for the presence of God. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 3, verse 13. Moses said, now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And verse 14, and God said to him, what? My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. I said, the Lord promises you rest. And you shall have rest in the name of Jesus. You see, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, there, now therefore there remains a rest for the people of God. God's intention is that you be in rest. God does not want you to be holy and be perplexed. God wants you to be holy and be at rest. Does that mean that there won't be challenges? Does that, does that mean that there won't be issues of contention of your faith? There will always be those things. But we must never forget that the Bible says when we are in his presence, we have rest. That is why the Bible says that in his presence is what? The fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. May you continue to enjoy God's presence. I say may you continue to enjoy God's presence. In the name of Jesus. So understanding him as the God of the ages helps us a lot. I have told you many times that when we gather in Mount Zion, the Bible says we are gathered unto God. And we are also gathered unto Jesus. And we are gathered unto the spirits of just men made perfect. And I have told you that what that means is that everyone you, can, you have read about in scripture, their spirit is here made perfect. The spirit of Elijah, without whatever he did that compromised his faith, is here. His spirit of prayer, his spirit of intercession. The spirit of Elisha, the, the, devoted, the devoted disciple who got a double portion of the anointing of his master is here. The spirit of David for worship, for conquest, for power, for, for divine abilities to do things beyond the normal human being, to fight lions and fight bears, to fight giants, is here. The spirit of Joshua, of faith and of Caleb, of those who saw what others could not see, is here. When we understand that the God that was and empowered those saints of old in the dispensations that they lived is still the God of this age, we can draw from that same spirit. Hallelujah. We can draw from that same spirit that walked in them and achieve the same results even greater. I say we can achieve greater results in the name of Jesus. The day I got to understand the meaning of my name as a child and as somebody who understood who God had made uh, uh, the King David that I was named after, a lot of things changed about my thinking. I know this may sound very funny, but that is the reality. You need to settle down with the word of God and gain some insights. When you get those insights, things change about your life and you find yourself operating at levels that you would not naturally have operated. I pray that God, who is the God of all ages, help you to embrace these truths in Jesus' name. Finally, he is the God. When we talk about El Olam, we are talking first about what? God who is everlasting. And then secondly, God who is what? God of the ages. And then thirdly, he is the hidden God. Or the God hidden in a mystery. That is another name. That is another meaning of Olam. Olam also means hidden. Not fully revealed. And you will see throughout the Bible that there is some element of secrecy about God. Some element of him. In fact, as close as he was to Moses, if you read down that Exodus 33, he told him, he said, I'm going to let you, you have my presence, you have everything, but you will not see my face. Because anyone who sees my face will die. God had kept himself 
exclusively for the saints to keep understanding in dispensation from dispensation to dispensation. So the name Olam also means hidden. Deuteronomy 29, 29, the Bible says that all that uh, the secret things belong to God, but those things which are revealed are for us and our sons and daughters. So there are things that are revealed, and the revelation of everything is what gives us understanding. Hallelujah. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, now tells us that we are living in a dispensation where God has continually been showing us favor by revealing things to us. Look at this, verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. 1 Corinthians 2, 7. The Bible says, let's read together. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Verse 8. For which, verse 8 says, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So, Olam also means that it was hidden through time. If they knew that this Lord of glory was going to be the ultimate salvation for man, the devil would not have not bothered. But the Bible says, and this is a fact for us to consider, that that means the devil doesn't know as much as we think he knows. You see, many times we attribute so much power to the devil. We say the devil did this, the devil did that, the devil. The devil has no power to do many of the things that we have even given him power to do. Because if he was so clever, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Hallelujah. Because God kept it as a mystery. God hid it from him. But the Bible says for us in verse 9. He said, let's read together. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. Verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. So Olam is one of the names that habits that, that covers the deep things of God. El Olam means he is a deep God. He is a mystery. He is a God that we have to keep searching and searching and understanding and understanding. I see God like a very, very, you can imagine him like a very big, in our contemporary times, you can imagine him like a very big and massive database. We can use the likes, I'm just using for illustration now, we can use the likes of search engines like Google, the most powerful search engine on the internet today. We can use that. Have you noticed that at times when you are searching for something or you are researching for something and you type a keyword or a phrase, Google will throw you one million finds. And at times you begin to scroll down and the more you are scrolling down, the more you are finding the less uh, uh, importance of what you are looking for. Most of the things that match what you want will stay on the top. Now, many times when you now take each one and you do a further search, you find another million. If, you can, if your brain can, can comprehend that in a way, it typifies how, how much, how deep God and his mystery is. This is why people will say, why do we need to go to church every time? Why do we need to read the Bible every time? Because every time, line upon line, precept upon precept, we learn some more. He reveals some more to us. He unleashes some more of himself to us. What I knew about God 10 years ago is not what I now know. I wish I knew the things I knew now 10 years ago. And I tell you, that is the, that is the progressive nature of God. So you and I must understand that there is a mystery. Verse Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. The Bible says it is a mystery that has been hidden from ages and from generations. Olam is his name. and But has now been revealed to us. Who are his saints? What is it? He said he gave us, the, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Which is what? Christ in you the hope of glory. 
So when you are a believer and you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, what you have done is you have received him into your life as the hope of your glory. And he will continue to reveal the more of the Father to you in the name of Jesus. This is why he said in verse 28, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. This is the ultimate goal, that you be presented perfect in Christ. Remember he said, be holy as I am holy. The more of God you know, the more of El Olam you search out. The hidden God, the God of mystery. The more of him you search out, the more perfect in Christ you become. Our perfection and our holiness is continually being established as we know more of God. The more of God you know, the more of God you live out. The more of God, the more of the light of God you embrace, the more of the light of God you shine. The Bible says we are the light of the world. But Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So the more of him we know, the more of the light of the world that we are, we can also manifest. May God continue to perfect all that concerns us. But it comes in a place of striving and labor. Let's read verse 29 together. He said, to this end, I also labor, striving according to the working which works in me mightily. You have to strive. Tell your neighbor for me, you have to strive. You have to strive for it. It is a race. It is a race. It, is, it doesn't jump on people. It is not a gift. Some people don't know God more than the others because they are gifted to know God more. <laughs> no, it doesn't happen that way. It works by your striving, your laboring. You're laboring where? In the word of God. You're laboring where? In the things of God. That is how it works. The more of God you know, the more of God you strive to know, the more you see God working in you mightily. And I pray that the Lord will continue to work in us all mightily. In the name of Jesus. I just want to quickly finalize this by saying that the key to an effective work with El Olam is spiritual worship. The key to an effective walk, walk with El Olam is spiritual worship. Many of us do not understand the place of worship. You see, worship does not increase God. God does not need you and I to come sing to him, how great thou art, before he knows that he is great. Whether you sing it or you don't sing it, he knows he's great. <laughs> Hallelujah. We don't need to say, oh Lord, you are beautiful. He knows he's beautiful. He knows he's beautiful. He knows that there is none that can compare. No matter what we call him today, it's because of what he told us that he is. So you, if I come and tell you now and I say, my name is David, and then you come to me and you say, oh, David. Would I be impressed? I'm not, I can't be impressed. You only called my name that I already told you I am. <laughs> so it makes no difference whether you call me or not. That is my name. So when we come to God in worship, Mike Woodock said something I like. He said, worship is the correction of our own focus. The more we worship God, the more we see God. The more El Olam reveals himself to us and the more we are able to see less the challenges of life the more we are able to see less the things that are threatening our salvation. Because El Olam becomes bigger when you worship him. Psalm 48 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to the praised. Greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. And what is he? Beautiful for all situation. So when you worship the God that is beautiful for all situation, you see him beautiful in all your situations. When you worship God in the beauty of his holiness, you see him rain down holiness upon you. This is what worship does. That is why when Jesus met that Samaritan woman by the uh, well in, in John chapter 4, the Bible says that the woman was saying that we worship God, our fathers worship God on this mountain. But you Jews say that we will worship God in Jerusalem. Jesus now told her that this is not about where you worship because God is a spirit. I say God is a spirit. The Bible says he now told her that the hour is coming. Let's read verse 23 together quickly. He said, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. 
for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Why? Because verse 24 tells it all. God, let's read, is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So we must understand that the place of worship is our big spiritual sacrifice. Make every effort you can to take advantage of worship in your car. Play right music. Don't listen to music that is not adding anything to you or that will add you more sorrows. There are some music that will add you sorrow. Do you know that? When somebody is singing about a pain and, and, and trouble and torment of life, and that is all you are listening to every day, it adds you sorrow. But when you listen to the word of God, sung in the beauty of worship, something rises on your inside. You go to work, you appear very differently. You appear in the place you are going differently because you have contacted the God who is spirit and in truth. And you come out operating that same spirit. Hallelujah. Worship corrects your focus. Do everything you can to come to church early and worship. When you worship God before you listen to the word, what happens is that he op- opens your mind. Because you opens your perspective to see him. So every time you are now hearing the word, your spirit man is already open because God is a spirit. And they that worship him are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. So when you worship him in spirit, he opens your spirit man. And then the truth of the word of God is able to come into you. And the Bible says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. This is the secret of enjoying El Olam. I pray that the Lord will continue to honor his faith concerning us. In the name of Jesus. Abraham worshipped God. We don't have time to look at all these people. Abraham worshipped God. And the Bible says that the eternal God was at peace with him. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 17. Paul said now unto him. The, the invisible. The, unto him. The eternal God. The invisible. The only wise God. He said to him. Be glory and honor forever and ever. I would like you to believe God for a transformation today. In the mighty name of Jesus. Rise to your feet. We are going to commit these words to God's hands before we take of the, uh, of the communion. Today.